This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Hello, I'm Julian Warricker and thank you for downloading BBC Radio Any Answers, the sister programme to Any Questions. This programme is specially extended today until quarter to three, which gives you a clear indication that something important has happened. It's your chance to call up about uh, what's been a momentous political week. You can consider on air Boris Johnson's decision to suspend Parliament and the reaction there has been to it. Uh, You'll be aware of some of the descriptions, anything from a constitutional outrage on one side to something entirely lawful and proper on the other. Where do you stand? Is it about shutting down the debate about Brexit or about making sure that that referendum result is honoured. Uh, all views on that are welcome. Plenty are here already, but if you want to call 03700 100 444 is the phone number. You can email any.answers at bbc.co.uk. You can tweet using the hashtag BBCAQ. Uh, There's a possibility we'll go elsewhere. For example, if you're a Conservative voter in Scotland, you'll probably have a view on Ruth Davidson's decision to step down from her role as Scottish Tory leader, particularly against the backdrop about the debate over a second independence referendum. There was talk about climate change in any questions as well. The latest climate change warnings that we need to use less transport, eat less red meat, buy fewer clothes if we're going to meet our 2050 carbon emissions pledge. Are you willing to make some or or any of those changes? And there was talk of immigration as well in the context of what's happening in the English Channel. What solutions would you favour to reduce the increasing number of migrants crossing to England from France? But we start with prorogation. David Hall's in Wolverhampton. David, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well. Do you think a coup's taken place in the last few days? Um, Absolutely not. What is happening is what should have happened uh, 18 months, two years ago, which is the government should have taken into account the referendum and negotiated with the EU. If the negotiation was not uh, successful, we should just leave the EU. Without Um, a deal? Without a deal, yeah. Um, The fact that that there is prorogation at the moment is something that normally happens this time of year, and MPs have made a big fuss about it because they have uh, um, an agenda which seeks to destroy the people's, the overwhelming overwhelming, uh, decision of the people to leave the EU in the referendum. It's certainly something that has happened in the past. You're right. Uh, Those criticising it will say that it hasn't happened in such contentious circumstances as this before. Well, I I think it's a good thing that it's happening at the moment because it will give the British people what we voted for uh, in in 2016, which is to leave the EU. Uh, I cannot uh, understand the the MPs who, who wish to argue about that because they should be concerned with... Uh, giving the British people what we voted for, which is to leave the EU. We want to get out of what is a dictatorship. We don't want to be a colony of the EU anymore. We just we just want to leave. And and um, I think that uh, uh, Boris Johnson has done exactly the right thing. OK, stay there, David. Chris Buck's in Glasgow. Chris, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. What do you say to David? I thoroughly, fundamentally disagree. Um, the, the, uh, the key thing I wanted to say is that this is not a normal process at all. Normally, Parliament goes into recess for a short period of time. Select committees can still meet. Uh, ministers still have to answer questions. This prorogation with five weeks is completely unprecedented, completely unjustified, and is clearly intended to shut down the debate about 
uh, a no-deal Brexit. There have been examples of prorogation in the past, though, Chris. Not five weeks. Absolutely not five weeks. Nothing like. Um, If anything, um, uh, government should be seeking opportunities to allow MPs to actually, uh, Parliament, to sit during the conference season. Not all MPs have to attend conference. And I can just stress a couple of comments made by the previous caller. Mm. I mean, the the EU is not what we say, a dictatorship. The EU is a thoroughly democratic institution in many ways much more democratic than our own system um we have things like for example the the thing about border control we have ample opportunities within the eu regulations to control our borders we just choose not to use them chris i'm going to come back to you because i want to ask you what you hope will happen in the coming week but david hall come back on what chris said to you your analysis your analysis of the eu as a dictatorship he completely dismisses so how come you've Uh, uh, you've both got uh, such a different view of this organization it is absolutely a dictatorship in 40 years, we've never been able to overturn one rule or law that the the EU has inflicted on us. We've had a veto in certain circumstances. Pardon? We've had a veto in certain circumstances. Yeah, but we haven't been able to overturn them. We've had to agree with everything that goes on. The people that run the EU aren't elected. Uh, I think they're they're, um, uh, uh, selected. The European Um, Parliament is elected. The the, the MPs... uh, the European MPs are elected, but we have such a tiny... We're one in, one in 27. We don't really have any say about what, what happens. Um, and as, as far as a prorogation is concerned, the Parliament normally shuts down during September for the various party conferences that happen. OK, Chris Buck, come back to me on that point, because you mentioned the party conferences. It is true yes. to say that this five-week figure that's being bandied about, it does include a period of time where MPs would normally be attending their party yes. conferences, doesn't but it? But they would normally be in recess. And the point is, when you have prorogation, any bills which are going through Parliament are guillotined. Any questions, which are... Many frequently answer parliamentary questions, both written and oral. They have no... that they cease. You know, it is shutting down the whole business of Parliament. And as for the thing about no laws, we couldn't... No, we're not in Schengen. We're not in the Euro. We didn't sign up to social chapter. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of EU regulations which we have chosen not to abide by. Okay. It's thoroughly democratic. You know, the, the Commission is there, is, is appointed from each country. The civil servants are just civil servants like any other. There's 30,000 civil servants in Brussels. There's 300,000 in, in the UK. You know, it is just... It is just all, I'm sorry, the previous caller is so... If only he would take the time to actually read inform himself. I think he would take a Well, uh, he may have done, he may not have done. Stay there, both of you. I just want to air some tweets. Uh, the public's happy to cut Prime Minister Boris Johnson a lot of slack because we watch Parliament obstruct and delay for more than three years. So under these circumstances, playing hardball is applauded. Rights won. On the other side of the coin, if Parliament is sovereign, proroguing it to serve his own end seems to paint Boris Johnson in a far worse light than anything the EU has ever done. Uh, Chris, what do you want to happen next week, given the point of view you've aired already? I think the, well, what I think we should have is a second referendum. Now we have the information out there so that people can actually make an informed choice. Right. That looks um, unlikely at the moment. So what do you want to have well, happen next week? OK, well, next week, I think there should be um, necessary a vote of no confidence. Um, I don't think Jeremy Corbyn can be a national leader. That didn't happen in 16, in 31 or in 1940. I think another figure such as Harriet Harman or perhaps Ken Clark. But we need to have a caretaker government to actually steer us out of this mess. I would actually revoke Article 50. Right. Uh, the referendum was only ever advisory. Parliament is sovereign. It is clearly no, no deal is such an absolute car crash. You know, anybody with any understanding of, of how these things work knows the, okay. we're going to become a third world country. Chris, p- pause for a moment. David Hall, what do you want to see happen next week? 
Um, I'd, li- I'd like to see what Boris Johnson, the road he's going down at the moment, and, and the British people get what we voted for uh, three and a half years ago. And, and as, as far as a second referendum, why have a second referendum? We've already made the decision that we're going to leave the EU. Because we know more than we did then, is the argument. Pardon? Because we know more now than we did then, well, I is don't the argument. Think, I don't think that's the case. Um, a second referendum, or should we have a third one after that? It just carries the process on and on and on with all the uncertainty it brings. We voted to get out of the EU, and that's what Boris Johnson is, is aiming okay. to do. And uh, British people should back him to the hill. I'm grateful to you both for kicking us off in such a lively fashion. Chris in Glasgow, David in Wolverhampton. Stuart Wilkie's in Norfolk. Stuart, follow that. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, Brexitus, to use Boris's Latin name, is actually correct in this case because he has a mandate to go forward following the vote in January, which was, showed the largest parliamentary defeat of a government ever of 230 votes. The options were to um, vote for the deal, which was agreed by the EU and by the government, or no deal. And that was made perfectly clear to all um, 650 parliamentarians. Well, that was Theresa May's argument, wasn't it? Because she said, if you continue to vote this down, we'll end up with no deal because that's the default position. Precisely. And they, they had three times to right. do that. They, can't, they, they, they now want to go back. But I, I have to say, they've never, the, the, the Remainers have not come up with an alternative deal, which has been agreed by the EU. Um, and it, they're now sort of saying, several MPs have said, I wish I'd now voted for that. But mm. in, in, if you could say that after every vote, um, and to say it was uncontentious, 230 votes by Parliament per se, who are now moaning that it's undemocratic. It's a, they, diffi- they it's a, difficult, it's a difficult argument, though, isn't it? Because you talk about Remainers not putting forward a deal that the EU uh, could, could come up, uh, could, uh, could agree yeah. to, but it's not ultimately their job to do that. It's the government's job to do that, isn't it? Well... They also gave the, the people the right to vote. It was a plebiscite. They obviously hoped that the people would vote um, to remain in the EU. It went against them. Now, now they're being undemocratic by blocking not only that vote's valid validity, claiming that it was only advisory. Also, um, from the uh, Supreme Court's decision, the decision was given back to Parliament. They made that decision in January to either accept the deal or for no deal. Okay. It was made perfectly clear. There wasn't a third option. Stay there a moment. Some tweets. If Johnson wants to leave with a deal, why is he cutting down on the time available to sort out a deal? Says one Twitter correspondent. If John Major is questioned on his own proroguing of Parliament and answers honestly that, yes, it was a tool to circumvent democracy, then that only adds to the argument against Boris Johnson doing the same thing now. Uh, Stuart, you've aired what you feel about this. What do you fear might happen next week? Well, I, I feel that the, the procrastination is going to continue working and then they'll go for a further delay, which the, the, the government, sorry, the, the um, people certainly don't want. We want clarity. Businesses want clarity. So the decision has been made. What, what To be fair, what, what needs to be done is the government needs to lay out this very clear this, in this Queen's speech um, precisely what they're going to do. We'd like to see infrastructure that's going to show that Britain can survive by itself. Um, and that's what needs to be not, not, not just rhetoric. We want to see hard decisions about what, how we're going to create manufacturing, how we're going to have an electric car 
um, business manufacturing plant over here, how we are going to uh, improve our air quality through mm. making British companies um, successful and be supported by the government. Well, That's Boris, what I'd like to see. Boris Johnson has promised a very exciting agenda when we get to that point, although there are quite a few political hurdles to leap over before we hear that Queen's speech, clearly. Aren't there? Well, that, that, that's true, but it, it, it's, it's false for um, the, the people now saying that we want another, um, we want to debate it more. Three mm. and a half years of debate has gone on so far. Um, they, they are now trying to just throw, throw, throw boulders in front of the, the, the process, which has been democratically voted on by the public and indeed by themselves back in January. OK, thank you, Stuart. Angie Clark's in Stockport. Good afternoon, Angie. Good afternoon. Your point here. Uh, my point is, is I do disagree with what the gentleman who's just been on is saying and um, your first caller. Um, I feel that Boris has been very disingenuous in his protestations. I'm angry at ministers who were speaking out against it a few weeks ago who've suddenly gone silent on the matter. Um, I don't know how far up their backs their arms being twisted. But most of all, I'm really, really disappointed with the number of people that I'm hearing around where I live and I've heard them on TV and everything who know why Boris has done this. They know that this is being done on purpose to stop further debate and they're very happy about that. How come you know why Boris has done this? Well, OK, I don't know. I strongly suspect. Ah, OK. OK, I strongly suspect. <laughs> I, I just really wanted do. to I test that one with you for a moment. Record, hasn't he, for not exactly telling the truth, you know, splashed on the side of a bus and um, many, you know, very okay. times. <clears throat> I, I get where you're coming from. So what do you want to see happen next week, particularly with reference to the fact, and you'll have heard this point raised by a number of people. I heard Ian Duncan Smith, for example, say this last week. You have a situation where for three plus years, those who take the kind of view that you do, I sense, of this whole issue, haven't been able to get themselves sufficiently organised to stop what is currently going on. So what is going to change in the next few days? It's not so much about stopping what's going on. It's actually about starting an intelligent debate. Well, it's a bit late for that, isn't it? Um, well, basically because people, many people who voted Remain have been made to be silent over the last three years. I mean, I, I've lost count of the number of times I'm being told the people have voted and I have, mm. to go, have to say, actually, no, no, just over half of you voted for this. And, I mean, I don't really want to go down that road through history or what have you now. I can <laughs> no, whack you and me both, Angie, to be honest. The, but I want these people who have come out with lines, you know, that are full newspaper headlines this week saying, oh, Boris has played a blinder and this is just what we want, that they are basing their trust on what they know is a lie. OK, stay and there. It never stay... ends well. Stay there. Uh, Catherine Gurney's in High Wycombe. I don't think she's going to agree with you, but I'll test it out. Catherine, good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon, yes. No, I'm afraid not. Um, I think the, 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 the importance of uh, everything that's gone on in the last few days is just the complete irony of how the parliamentarians can use the methods just to suit their own ends, really. I mean, what's... what's Someone has a mandate about one thing, but then somebody else is happy to use uh, something else, for example, in the discussion um, on any questions. Caroline mm. Lucas, I think, yeah. said, we're happy to set up a people's parliament. Yeah. Well, well, where's the mandate for that? Um, but then she's saying that Boris Johnson hasn't got a mandate for what he wants to do. So, And, and John Major is happy to prorogue uh, things when he uh, was... Uh, Prime Minister, but then all of a sudden when someone else does it, that's not right either. Mm. And it's the hypocrisy of the whole parliamentarian position that the, I think is just really annoying. But the parliamentarians, 
aren't they the ones who people who are taking your view on this aren't they the ones that you wanted to give more control back to i think the parliamentarians have stopped listening to what the people want really um that the and where do you draw the line in democracy because mm. If you have an election, if Boris calls an election in the next few weeks, and let's say the result was, I don't know, 52-48 in favour of the Conservatives, or 52-48 in in favour of Labour, why do we not start objecting to that? Where do you draw the line in what is acceptable as as a true democratic position? And people are saying, well, you know, we didn't vote for that. Well, well. The question was asked in the referendum in uh, 2016 and people voted on it. Yeah, but there's been an election since then, of course, and that's complicated things still further, hasn't it? Completely, uh, completely. But I think that you cannot choose, parliamentarians cannot choose what they support if if there's been an election and a referendum, they need to accept the result. And I think the other problem is the people who are currently arguing for no deal Brexit are all Remainers who want no Brexit at all. And I think that it's 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 completely transparent to lots of people that it's nothing to do with a no deal Brexit. It's all to do with stopping. Okay, Brexit uh, Angie Clark, come back on that point that you're really uh, that your you know your agenda is you want to remain. You want this whole thing to go back to where we were prior prior to June 2016. I'm not naive enough to think that that will ever happen. Right. Um, and I think the lady was mistaken. She said Remainers were talking about voting for no deal. I yes. think she meant against. I think I think you did. Yes, yes to be fair, I to think Catherine, she meant right against. The thing is, no deal was never on the ballot paper. Just leave or remain. And what is, And I feel that the last three years has shown that what was sold to the public as a very, very simple process has turned out to be exactly the opposite. Mm. And that's why the parliamentarians cannot agree. Um, I mean, the issue of the Irish border, for instance, has turned out to be unsolvable. It's uns- and, and if you're a grown-up and you try and do something and you get two-thirds of the way through and you think, this is not working, this is not what I thought it was, then you should have the chance for a rethink. Well, and this I... is where the wish for a second referendum comes in. This idea um, of it being unsolvable, I mean... your belief on something that you know is not true is very childish. Okay. Catherine, come back on that, and then I want to read an email to you as well. Well, I think, I think that's... that's... I absolutely appreciate everybody's point of view on this, but that's the true Remainers argument, isn't it? That where it's all childish, the Leavers didn't understand what they were doing, and it wasn't wasn't a simple question. But all the parliamentarians, the referendum was was agreed on by all the parliamentarians. They all agreed. They all by the substantial majority all voted to trigger Article Fifty. They did, yep. And they all then. Uh, went into the next election on a mandate to leave. Well, the two main parties did. They did. Yeah. But where's that all gone? Because Labour's done a complete um, about face, and they're now saying they're going to campaign for Remain. Um, there's the, 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 I'm, I'm very mm. worried that democracy generally, because everybody is so polarised, um, is going to break down. Catherine, and Catherine will can have I have no faith in anything? Then. Can I read this to you? David in um, is emailing saying it would be very foolish to believe Boris Johnson's assertion that the threat of a No Deal Brexit deal can persuade the EU to renegotiate the existing deal. The EU negotiators may fear the economic consequences of No Deal, but it's clear that they're not in a position to make concessions on fundamental principles that have been established by the resolution of 27 member states. MPs who stand accused of undermining
bargaining negotiations need to realise that the no-deal bargaining chip is utterly illusory. Do you see, Catherine, what Boris Johnson is doing now as some sort of negotiating tactic? Uh, I think in any... If you're a business person, I think that if you... Why should the EU come to the table if they're fairly sure that the no-deal is going to be blocked by by Parliament. Why, why would you come to the table? And interestingly, um, I, I, my uh, colleagues are Italian. Mm. And it's very interesting when you go to Italy because they would like to leave the EU too. So it's very much in the EU's interest. Well, some sure Italians would. I'm not sure the whole of the country yes, does, but anyway. I know, but exactly. But yes. I think that uh, the EU, it's very important for them to make sure that, that any country, other country thinking of potentially leaving is going to think, but we really don't want all this aggravation. But when people voted so, leave, they surely knew that. Well, exactly. But what, why, why, why would you, if you vote to leave and it was overwhelmed, or the majority of people voted to leave, yeah. Where, why Why change it? OK, no, you, fair enough. You've fair got enough. to change... I'm worried about democracy breaking down if okay. this is overturned. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move it on. Thank you both, Catherine, Angie. Um, some tweets. Remainer MP said they would use every means possible to stop a no-deal Brexit and are very upset that Boris has used every means possible to stop them. Uh, one ought to keep in mind that Parliament is trying to avoid a no-deal Brexit, not necessarily to stop Brexit. Uh, Parliament hasn't been allowed to vote on the proposal to go into recess during the party conferences, which should all be suspended in the circumstances. There have been various voices saying, you know, scrap the party conferences this year, other things are more important. You might have a view on that. If there was a coup, it was entirely necessary to get around the tricks of parliamentarians trying to keep us in the EU, uh, writes one more correspondent. Colin Penfold in Winchester. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, yes, this is some sort of coup because democracy is not just about who wins a vote. It's also about gaining the consent of those who voted against you. And that's especially true when you don't have an overwhelming uh, mandate. And in this particular case, 52-48 is not an overwhelming mandate. It's necessary to come to some sort of solution that's acceptable to both sides, which may be in the form of a compromise or at least a process that the losers will accept. Mm. And you don't do that by stopping our elected representatives from doing what we elected them to do in the first place. Well, let's break that down a bit. I mean, it's only a few days, ultimately, isn't it? That, that doesn't constitute a coup. It, it does if the purpose of those few days is to stop them voting. And that is what exactly, as one of the previous speakers said, what they intended to do. And you can understand... You know, you may not think that Boris may be lying, but we heard uh, a couple of days ago from uh, the uh, defence minister. He was overheard um, when uh, the French minister asked him about uh, the situation. And he said, well, in terms of uh, uh, democracy, sometimes you have to, because of the way that we have a majority rule in this country, sometimes you have to do dubious things or something like that. It wasn't quite that, but I know what you're going. But that was a lovely yeah. Okay. I'm going to read this to you. A couple of a couple of emails that will not you will not agree with, but I'm just interested to get your reaction. Uh, this is from Paul. I don't mind the proroguing of Parliament. It's the members of Parliament who've spent three years trying to prorogue the people that I don't like. Actually, you'd think it was the Remainers who won the referendum and the Leavers who lost. What would you say to Paul? Remember who was voting against the deal? It was Rhys Mogg's group. It wasn't just the Labour Party. It was the people who were trying to go for a harder deal. And one of the big problems you had with uh, May's approach, it was my deal or no deal. That's what she was always going for. It was a lack of imagination on her part. Not everything is yes or no. Mm. What they should have been doing was there was basically several things on the table. There were at least three things on the table. And they should have had a vote so that you eliminate the least popular 
until you get two left, which you can then put to the people. But by the time she came to Parliament, all she could do was put in front of Parliament what she'd already agreed with Brussels, surely. Yeah, and there's basically there are because there's going to obviously the other party in this, mm. there's the Europeans in this, there are going to be a limited number of deals. You can't have the deals that Boris promised, i.e. the three hundred and fifty million and, and food's gonna be half price or whatever he was uh, uh, claiming. All of those lies are not things that are on the table. There are deals on the table which involve May's deal, no deal, no Brexit or possibly a slightly modified deal that Boris can come up with. Okay, and um, those should be put to Parliament in, before the 31st right. of October. You, you talked about uh, compromises and, and the, the need for the two sides to, to find a way through this. I mean, do you see any hint of anybody anywhere in this process wanting to compromise at the moment? Well, the, the compromise has to be the case of not necessarily going for your first choice, but it may be your second hmm. choice. Well, that might be that might be well intended, but I'm, I'm just wondering if I see any sign of it. Well, unfortunately, the way that some of the more extremist parties uh, people are are behaving, and I particular, um, it's sort of the way that Boris Cummins and Gove are behaving. They are not behaving in any way that they want to compromise. They're behaving like a, a triumvirate of the sort of ancient Roman Empire. They're, they're, they're all historians. Hmm. They understand ancient history, and they seem to be basing their model on that. Totally undemocratic. But you know full well that that accusation is equally levelled at those who, in the minds of leavers, are trying to ignore the result of the referendum. I don't think we can ignore the result of the referendum, but remember the referendum was put in such a way that it was leave or remain. Mm. It was pretty a, clear, a isn't it? To the destination. It was a really faulty de- um, referendum because there was no destination that you were going to. We were promised all sorts of unicorns by Boris. Those were never going to happen, but they were on the ballot paper. Okay. The 350 million was something not on the ballot paper. They were on the, the election leaflets. I've had a look at, recently at the election leaflets that uh, sort of come out from the Leave Party, and 350 million a week for the NHS was on nearly all of them. Well, it was certainly on that bus, famously, mm, wasn't it? Absolutely. Uh, Colin, thank you. Uh, good to have your thoughts. I'm just looking through some various other comments that came in. These were in advance of of the start of the programme. I didn't see this outrage writes one when John Major prorogued Parliament to stop cash for questions report coming out. Uh, you can predict someone's attitude to the propriety of prorogation, a second referendum, MPs seizing control of the order paper, etc., simply by finding out where they stand on Brexit. Either none of us have principles on these matters or Brexit is just more important. Uh, I wouldn't call prorogation a coup. It's just another example of how our political system is not fit for purpose in the 21st century, which is interesting. You might want to go down that route because there was certainly a reference made to the, the lack of a written constitution in any questions, which seems to be troubling some, but not others. You may have a view. Uh, Boris Johnson claims to want a deal, but he daren't, won't or can't tell Parliament what it would be. The EU is ready to talk, says Ed, but there's no point in looking at anything they aren't sure will get through Parliament. Do you see the problem, he says. Michael Cook's in Bournemouth. Michael, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. Um, I'd just like to say I agree wholeheartedly with one of your very early callers, uh, in response, I think it was to Caroline Lucas, who said uh-huh. we know more now than we knew then. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think anybody does. Um, all we've heard is pure speculation, mostly. But as a Leave voter, we do know what we voted against. And that is the fact that in this country, since we've been in the EU, we've lost our fishing, mining, motoring, aircraft and shipbuilding industries. And we are going, if we stay in, to keep paying nearly 40 billion a year into their coffers to promote a European 
army of which we would become a part. Why are all those losses down to the EU? <laughs> well, they, they haven't helped us, have they? Well, that, that's if not quite so, the same so, thing as what you said a moment ago. Sorry? That's not quite the same thing as what you said a moment ago. That's what? Uh, so, you, they haven't helped us. No, but you, we were saying that, you were saying that they were cause of them all going. That's why I was interested to know how, well, how we knew well, that. Well, they certainly are, I believe, most of them. Um, because most of the industries that I've quoted are now happening uh, in Europe. In Germany, France, other countries, everything's been centralised into Europe. Well, we're in Europe too. From Britain. We're in Europe too, at least we are, we are yes, at the moment. They've taken, us, taken everything from us. It's, the EU is the Fourth Reich. Okay. If anybody looks at the history, Fine. the first president was a member of Hitler's cabinet. I'm, I'm, keen, I'm keen not to go down that road, but there was well, a, one other thing I wanted to ask you, because you made an interesting point at the start in response to what Caroline Lucas said about knowing mm -hmm. more now than we did then. then yes. Surely one thing we do know now, and this is I don't think this is a contentious point, is that we know it's a good deal more complicated to leave than we thought it was or we were told well, it was going to be. we were never given a choice on joining. If we had, maybe it would have been complicated to join. Uh, refer, what, you're referring to the fact that there was no referendum before we joined in 1973? No, we were just sneaked in, weren't we, by two prime ministers. Well, Ted Heath took us in. The British people never had a say on. Ted Heath took us in, and then there, was a, then there was another referendum, or there was a first referendum, what, three years, two years later, to say we wanted to stay? Yeah, but nobody knew what it was all about, did ah, we? OK. But we do now. Sort of. Okay. And regarding the Irish backstop, by the way, it's a lie. Switzerland has four borders with EU countries and Norway has a border with a non-EU country and they work perfectly well. Okay. So the Irish backstop is a lie. Michael, I appreciate your call. Thank you. Nick Vinehill in Kings Lynn. Hi, Nick. <laughs> Good grief. Hello, uh, Julian. Well, when I listened to that last call of comparing the EU to Hitler and everything else, all the more reason for me why we should have a second referendum or a confirmatory referendum on the issues, and that's including 16-plus EU nationals who've been living in this country for years, paying tax. I'm a, I, didn't, I didn't want a referendum in the first place on Europe, mainly because I suspected that it was going to lead to this mayhem on such a simple binary choice. Leave or remain, anybody could vote leave when there was no leave plan. That's a, that, that, that was the problem I had with that referendum. Okay. If there had been a plan to leave and then a referendum taken, as per a democratic system should do, we vote on what we've heard, that would have been fair. So I don't respect the result, and I believe there should be another referendum uh, for that reason. Right. Can I, can I just explore that with you a minute? Because yeah. I, I, I entirely hear where you're coming from. But you would surely have to acknowledge that that is a fairly remote prospect at the moment. And you've only got a few more days to encourage the members of Parliament to behave in the way that would suit your argument best. So what would you like them to do? Well, I don't, I don't think it's a remote argument at all. It may have seemed since Boris Johnson took over but the, the argument for a second re referendum has gone out, gone out the window. Well, I don't I see how you don't... get it in the next couple of months. That's, that's the yeah, point well, I'm getting at. It's still possible. You never know what these MPs, these, careers, these career MPs are going to do in Parliament. Mm. And, uh, well, this Parliament has voted specifically on that issue and said no. Well, I thought it had. I thought, I thought it had again, uh, at the moment, yes. But you never, things are so changing so every day. You never know what's happening. Mm. And all this... I think a lot of these, um, a lot of these um, uh, protests today 
are not specifically just at the proroguing. I think they're at the full gamut of the undemocratic nature of that referendum in the first place, which I think was deliberately and politically organised to tear the party apart. To, sorry, to tear the country, country apart. apart. Can I read this to you? At some point, Remainers just have to accept they lost, writes this tweet, endlessly stringing things out won't alter that. Some you win, some you lose. It happens at every general election. It's democracy. Well, Remainers do acknowledge that we lost. And excuse me, it's not Remainers who are actually stopping this referendum. It's facts. It's theories. Why do you, why do you, it's all very well for that first caller, for instance, who you had on, yeah. saying he felt as if he'd been locked in change, but chains by the EU dictatorship, where all laws have been inflicted upon us, when in fact we've accepted those laws. It's not, it, it, it's not Remainers who are turning it over at all. It's the very facts and illogicality of Brexit itself. What the CBI says, the Institute of Directors, but you'd the have International to accept, Monetary You'd have to accept that's, that's, that's stopping it. No, I get that, but that's, that's a subjective point of view, is what I'm saying. Uh, and if you go back to the, uh, the referendum in the first place, as that tweet indicates, there was an outcome. You, you clearly don't like it. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is, is where a second one will take us um, in terms of making anything better from your well, point of view. In a, common, in, a common, in a proper democracy, there has to be a second referendum on an issue like that. If it was just a simple referendum over should we bring back abortion or something, uh, should we abolish abortion or something out like that, where there's a clear yes or no. Yeah. yeah. But on a complex issue like that, and I'm not trying to say that voters are ignorant or, or patronise, be patronising in any way. On a, on a vote like that, there has to be a confirmatory referendum. Okay. And that was, and um, the issue is, why were the government so determined that there shouldn't be? And why were they determined that it was going to be binary? Because I think the whole thing was politically motivated to tear this country apart, which is exactly what it's done. Nick, thank you for the call. Um, this email came in. Nobody wants a no-deal Brexit, writes one uh, correspondent. I believe that includes Boris Johnson. If, by whatever means, Parliament were to outlaw a no-deal Brexit, then Mr Johnson loses the ace in his negotiating hand with the EU. He can't afford to allow that impotence. Is that not why he has prorogued Parliament? To prevent that scenario and therefore keep the threat alive, it's a high-risk strategy of brinkmanship and he'll have to weather the storm, but nobody else's strategy has worked so far. Bill Lloyd in Kendall. Bill, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. Go on, what do you want to say? Um, I, I, the whole thing for me is about the negotiation and the reasons why Boris Johnson is wanting to suspend Parliament. I should say I'm a Remainer. I voted Remain. I also voted Green. So I don't particularly want a Brexit in any form, and I'm no big supporter of this government. But nobody has mentioned really in detail what I think is going on with the suspension of Parliament. Um, because I'm a Remainer, I would rather leave on good terms than with no deal. And if we're going to leave, I'd rather leave on good terms. Mm-hmm. Now, Parliament got itself into a tangle because Parliament, our elected representatives, voted for Article 50. They voted to come out. And then they turned down Theresa Meal's deal three times. And and then Theresa Meal resigned and Boris Johnson is in place. Now, it's clear that what Parliament wants by voting for Article 50 and turning down Theresa May's deal is a better deal. The Europeans have said no better deal is possible. We're not even going to talk about it. Come up with some good suggestions. You're not going to get a better deal than the one you've got. And the only thing that, in my opinion, will bring them to the table is no deal. Mm. Now, if Johnson is, if the Parliament unites against no deal, that will mean that um, Boris Johnson has no negotiating position for a better deal. And therefore, 
if it's no deal and no better deal, the only other option is remain. Now, that personally suits me. What bothers me is that John, Boris Johnson is gambling. He's gambling with civil disobedience. He's gambling with constitutional crisis. He's gambling with all sorts of things because he believes that the Europeans will come to the table if there's no deal. And I think he must believe that because he knows that the Germans want to sell, the, sell us their cars uh-huh. and the Spanish want to sell us their food. It will hurt them. One of the reasons I think it may be wrong is that Germans have shown that they can stand the pain. They, for 10 years, they put up with the reunification. It cost them billions of pounds. Mm. So I think Johnson may be wrong. As it happens, it all depends on the parliamentary numbers now. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to raise with you the point you made about the, the parliamentary um, intentions, because you talked about the fact that if you, if you look at the, the various votes that you analysed... Um, what that leads you to believe is that people in that House of, of Commons want a better deal. Um, of course, there is another reading of that, especially among leavers, who will say that what it actually reveals is that members of the Houses of Parliament, by a majority, don't want to leave at all. But it seems extraordinary that if they don't want to leave, why would they have, why would they have voted for Article 50 and to say we want to comply with the referendum? They were afraid for their seats. Mm. The, the, the Remainers were afraid that if they voted against, they would lose their seats, because if their seats were leave constituencies, they're going to be out. Okay. So they voted out of, I don't know, pragmatism, call it what you want. But uh, So what you're saying is, did, does Parliament really want to stay in? I think they might, and I think we'll find out in the next few weeks if they can get together a coalition to bring down... Um, Boris Johnson's government and put in a caretaker government, whatever you want to call it, then you're correct. That's okay. how it um, will be. Bill, I'm going to move it on, but thank you very much indeed for the call. Uh, some more tweets. Governments have a limited lifespan. Our sovereign parliament endures to scrutinise governments and protect the electorate. Prorogation stops parliament from performing its essential scrutinising function. Uh, having prorogued parliament, there's finally a chance that the promised action as a result of the referendum will actually happen. Two on either side of it. Lorraine spirals in Whitstable. Lorraine, go ahead. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, either we have a parliamentary democracy, in which case they should all be sitting, or we have a referendum democracy, in which case we need another referendum. But we can't have neither. Right. So given that we seem to have a bit of both, um, what does that make you think about the next few days? Um, Well, what I would do if I was a member of parliament was I'd get all my fellow colleagues together and I'd find a a nice hall somewhere and I'd get us all to meet and come to some kind of consensus about what's needed and and then actually push for it. Right. So a nice little cafe in Whitstable would be an ideal venue for that. Well, I don't know, Westminster Hall somewhere, somewhere, anywhere, you know, even Buckingham Palace. Ah, Oh, (laughs) Yeah. And I think they should get the Queen involved. I think it's become so ridiculous. We have lost all sense of proportion, balance and any democracy that we had seems to have gone out the window. And we need to be reined in. We need to rethink the way that we do things. And does in that, a very radical way. Ah, well, that's an interesting point, because I, I raised it in passing a few moments ago about the sort of the wider picture about the system and the constitution mm. and the way Parliament sits and how it behaves and all the other things that you've kind of hinted at in your that's reference it. to referendums and representative democracies. At the end of all this process, whenever that is and whatever happens, is that going to be the moment, do you think, for us all to take a slightly more measured view of how this country functions? Well, it may not be measured if there's a civil rebellion. That's the problem. But we are dicing with our our nation's stability here. And if we don't watch out, we could head towards civil war. We have to stop this and stop it now. 
But what does stopping it mean? Well, I think we should revoke Article 50 until such time as anybody, anyone that's against the revocation can come forward with a really good solution to the backstop. And if they've got it, we can then restart the process. Okay, stay there. But we only restart it with a second referendum. Stay there, Lorraine. Peter Codner's in Wiltshire. Peter, go ahead. Yes. Uh, What What you're hearing here is classic conflict of likes and dislikes. There are those who like the idea of federalism and those who like the idea of nationalism or national independence. And those who voted to secede from the EU, it seemed to me, fall into the same category as George Washington and Mr. Kenyatta and Mr. Gandhi, all of whom wanted independence. And others don't like the idea of independence. They like the idea of the United States of Europe, which is a perfectly legitimate view to take if you like that. But there is conflicting likes and dislikes. They will never be resolved. And where do you where do you stand on what's happening now? I rather tend to on on the business of proroguing Parliament. Yeah, it's simply the lawful exercise of the lawful power. Why it's being exercised is irrelevant. People are just guessing that it's being exercised to frustrate some attempt to frustrate secession. That's a, that's guesswork. So when people have expressed their outrage at it. Um, what, what do you take from that and, and some of the viewpoints you've heard uh, that fall under that heading? That's very simple. Some people are predisposed to outrage. They go in for moral outrage because it feeds something or other in them. They like it and they go in for that sort of thing, which is a form of dreaming. It's a form of hysteria. Uh, Lorraine Spiral, are you guilty of, of hysteria over this? No, but I do agree with this caller from the point of view that some people do like outrage. So what we need to do is um, understand that we need to be interdependent rather than codependent and that we need to have loving and kind attitudes towards each other and do what we do in life with that measure of cooperation and a sense of sincere caring about other people. OK, I'm going to end it with both of you because I want to squeeze a couple more in because we've only got a couple of minutes. Thank you, Lorraine. Thank you, Peter. Kevin Foster's in uh, Lancashire. Kevin, go ahead. Hello. Yeah, your point quickly. A couple of quick points. The yeah. first point is, has the BBC lost their map because you've been in London for the last six weeks for any questions? Uh, I'm not aware of the answer to that, but go ahead anyway. Yeah, what, yeah. what was the other and thing you also, wanted to ask? There's little point in having uh, remi- uh, levers on your panel when they're just going to get shouted down. Right. Last night's uh, uh, an edition of any questions was a travesty. What about the, time, the point? Of, what about time, the point about prorogation? Any time the leavers said it, they were just shouted down by the by the audience. And your point about prorogation is what? Well, my point about prorogation is 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 it's having John Major um, discussing prorogation is a bit like Harold Shipman is um, advising the NHS on end of life care, really. I, I sense you're not a John Major fan. I'm going to squeeze yeah, well, one more caller in, Kevin. Forgive me, I want to do one more caller before the end of the programme. Carolyn Francis in Eastleigh. Carolyn, go ahead. Um, well, I, I just think that um, we've had a referendum. We, we need to abide by that decision. If, some, if people want to have another vote, they should wait until the first vote has been implemented. We should leave the EU. And then in the future, if they don't like what's happened, then they can, we can have another referendum um, maybe next year. 
Okay. Well, listen, uh, you've brought things to a neat and tidy close. Um, Thank you for your call, Caroline France in Eastleigh in Hampshire. A couple of final tweets. If the 2016 referendum is not implemented, it will be the first time ever in British history. Uh, That is what would be undemocratic under our constitution. And a true ace in negotiating would be showing we can have a better deal without the EU. That's it from me. Thank you for calling. Uh, Back at the same time next week. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Any Answers. Don't forget, if you want to hear any questions or you'd like to invite the programme to your venue, then please go to the BBC Radio 4 website and search for any questions. I'm Julian Warricker. Thank you for listening.